Grace to you and peace from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may remember these words from our recent capital campaign. They were the words to our presentation hymn for those weeks. Let us build a house where love can dwell and all can safely live. A place where saints and children tell how hearts learn to forgive. Built of hopes and dreams and visions, rock of faith and vault of grace. Here the love of Christ shall end divisions. All are welcome. All are welcome. All are welcome in this place. It is a struggle that is as old as the human race. It is trying to decide who is in and who is out. We participate in the struggle, struggle even as children. My example from my childhood is what was known as the bicycle club. The bicycle club was boys only. We would get together and we would ride around the neighborhood on summer days like this. We'd go from neighbor to neighbor's house and enjoy the toys we all had. And to be admitted was rather, rather easy. At that time, we lived um, over in Brookview, North Cliff, Dean Drive area, over in Spring Lake, Morris Brandon School. And there was a park across the street from our house, which is now known as Beaverbrook Park. In those days, it wasn't very well developed. And at the very back, there was a, a hill. And we found some plywood in the creek, and we found some concrete blocks. And in order to join the club, you had to ride your bicycle as fast as you could down the hill, up the ramp that we had built, and jump a small little creek. And stay upright. Each time we built the ramp, we would hide it later. And, of course, everybody in the club, once the new initiate had successfully um, survived the jump. We would all jump it two or three times ourselves just for the fun of it. But you had to do that to be in. You had to do that to be part of it. Who is in and who is out? If you were too scared, you, couldn't, you just couldn't be a part of the club. Well, that's what the early Christian community is trying to figure out in today's third lecture or sermon. Sometimes it's going to feel like a lecture. From Galatians. As Noel noted last week, there are those who think that we're doing this to try to reduce attendance in the summer months. <laughs> I was asked this week, was this some plot by the now on sabbatical rector to make us all struggle with one reading, I mean one epistle? That's not the case, let me assure you, that we all agreed to do this. And last week, I was sitting where Ken is sitting right now, thanking God that I was the third person to do this. Because by the sixth one, there's not going to be a whole lot to say. <laughs> Although I learned that I um, enmeshed myself in the scripture and I learned something. So maybe the sixth person will have as good a time as I have. They're trying to figure it out. You have to place this lesson in context. Paul has just uh, recounted an encounter he had with Peter in Antioch where Peter um, had begun eating meals with Gentiles, converts to the faith. And those who were known as the Judaizers had come to Antioch, or wherever Peter was at the time, and had convinced him that he was breaking the law. And Peter quit eating with the Gentiles, only with the Jewish Christians. And Paul has called him 
into account for being a hypocrite. And so that opening line that caught us, that made us close our ears, is Paul talking about himself and Peter. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Now, I don't know how the Gentile sinners who had converted to Christianity felt about that. It would have made me mad. But we hear this and we say, no, we're not Jews by birth. But that's not the point here. The point is, is that Paul is struggling with the community's attempt to make everybody except Jewish tradition, Jewish law, Jewish, Jewish rituals, some of which would not be very pleasant, in order to become Christians. And Paul is opposed to that. He has seen that all are welcome within the, within the faith, within the Christian faith. And he's gone into a transition into his understanding of the benefits that we have in Christ Jesus. He's trying to make the point that Jesus is the answer. And you have to understand that Paul saw our relationship with God in three epochs. The first one, I got a geology word in. <laughs> the, I got to do that occasionally, remind you of my undergraduate work. Anyway, the first one was Abraham. Abraham and the relationship that the, uh, that the early uh, patriarchs had was based on promise, based on the covenant. It was that God would be their God and they would be God's people. We inherited that when we became Christians. And so the promise, the covenant, was how the people lived until Moses. And when Moses arrives on the scene and gets the commandments and then the Jewish um, tradition of adding more and more laws and more and more little twists and turn to it, then the people lived under the law. So Abraham promised Moses, law, Jesus, faith. When Christ came among us, the law was superseded. We no longer live or lived under the law. We live in Christ Jesus. And he repeatedly says, faith in Jesus Christ. We come to believe in Jesus Christ, faith in Christ. We are justified in Christ. We are crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We no longer live under the law. We live into the faith of Christ Jesus. Now, our faith is important and that we work on our faith is also important. We wouldn't be here if we weren't trying to deepen our faith this day. But that's only about two of the ten, two out of ten of the things that are important. Paul is trying to get us and his readers in that day, the Galatians, who were wandering away somewhat and getting caught up in the old law, that um, everything has changed and that what is 8 out of 10 is the faith that Jesus had, the faithfulness that our Lord had, first to come and be among us, to take on the form of a slave, to take on our human likeness, to live among us, to teach us, to show us, to follow God's command, faith in God, that God was in charge and that even though he was equal with God, he did not grasp that. He did not use that against us. He did not zap us. 
He taught us. And out of the hard work that he did for us on the cross, which we are not able to do for ourselves, because we're all broken, sinful human beings. No matter how hard we try, we still stumble and fall. We still fall into sin. In our baptismal covenant, it says not if you fall into sin, but when you fall into sin, will you repent and return to the Lord? There's a reason we say, I will, with God's help. It's because the work that Christ did for us on the cross is work we cannot do for ourselves, and it is through that work that we become justified in God's eyes. Now, I realize there are several lawyers in this room, but I'm going to use a, a, a legal term, or at least talk to, uh, to you as if it is we are in a court of law. Justified uh, means that we're, we, justice has been done. Now, we don't like to talk about the Judgment Day in the Episcopal Church very often, but believe me, it's going to come. We all will stand before the throne of God. We all will be called into an account of what we've done and not done. And given our own devices, we would be condemned. But our advocate will be standing next to us, Jesus who sits now at the right hand of God, and he will say, excuse me, maybe a little flip here, but excuse me, do you remember the cross? Do you remember what I did for these people? Do you realize I died for their sins? And God will look upon us with God's loving eyes and will say, not guilty. Come into the kingdom, good and faithful servant. We stand justified by God's work through Jesus on the cross. We're back into a right relationship with God. We may stumble a dozen more times, hundreds more times, but we're in right relationship with God at the last because of the work of Christ on the cross. That's the faith that we have because Jesus had the faith to go to the cross for us and know that God would redeem that moment. Resurrection. Resurrection. I hope my older brother doesn't listen to this sermon on the internet. Brother and I um, don't agree on many things. We don't see eye to eye. In fact, rarely do we see knee to knee or eye to knee. We have an agreement between us that we don't talk about faith, religion, and he is a faithful Christian nor do we talk about politics because we're at opposite end of the spectrum. Doesn't matter. Unfortunately, he attends one of the churches that have asked their Boy Scouts to leave. That's how different we are. But he will be in the kingdom, and I will be in the kingdom, and it won't matter which one of us was right or which one of us was wrong in this day and age. Christ died for all of our sins to redeem us all. Christ died for all the things that we don't understand in the times that we stumble. Christ died for all people in all places and all times who turn and accept him as Lord and Savior. I started out with all are welcome, and that's what Paul is trying to say in today's reading from Galatians. Ten years ago this summer, in August, our church, the Episcopal Church, confirmed the Reverend Gene Robinson as bishop of New Hampshire. 
despite objections from around the world and within our own ranks, Bishop Robinson served for many years faithfully before his consecration to, to, as bishop and many years after. I was in a congregation up in Buford, Georgia at the time where I thought all were welcome, and I'm not slamming my church there. They were delightful and loving people. They were good folks who treated me well. But within six weeks, I lost a third of my vestry, a third of our budget, and a third of the congregation. It would have been to my benefit to stand up in front of the congregation and say, I can't believe what them heathens have done up in Minnesota. But I didn't believe that. All are welcome. This church has made great strides, the denomination, in my 30 years of ministry. We have become a more welcoming place. We have become a more open and honest place. We have become a place where I believe we can sing more and more all are welcome. I remember a few weeks after this, one of the detractors invited me to lunch. And it was sort of one of those things you don't want to go to, but you know you ought to. And we sat down and he said, when are you going to find a new vocation? I said, what? He said, when are you going to find a new denomination at least? And I said, why? He said, 10 years from now, the Episcopal Church will be dead. I have news. I have news. We are alive and well. In some parts of the country, we're struggling. In this parish, we're alive and more than well. In this diocese, we are more than well. We have chosen to draw the circle wider, just as Jesus did, rather than draw it tighter. We're all are welcome. Paul wanted his folks to understand that. We are living that. We have some way to go. But as long as we keep working on our faith, as long as we keep our minds open and our hearts open and our ears open, we will continue to be justified. We will continue through Christ's faith to build our faith. We will continue the journey that God has called us to. The last verse of the song that we sang, the hymn that we sang, speaks to why we're here today. Let us build a house where love is found, in water, wheat, and wine, a banquet hall on holy ground where peace and justice meet, where the love of God through Jesus is revealed in time and space as we share in Christ the feast that frees us. All are welcome. All are welcome. All are welcome in this place. Amen.